Welcome to episode 23 of the Champs and Chums podcast. I'm Anthony. And I'm Ashton. Father-son fun talk on sports, life, and friendship. Coming up on episode 23, Maple Leaf Forever. We'll go one-on-one with Canadian soccer star and former international Tommy Kuzmanis. Oh, Canada will award our home and native land as we go gold, silver, bronze for red and white sports teams. And we'll head for home on episode 23 with our special segments, All Pro Go, a Did You Know Sports Spotlight, and Champs and Chums personal salutes to our stars on and off the field. That's all coming up on episode 23 of the Champs and Chums podcast. Thanks Thanks for for listening. listening. Welcome back to Champs and Chums. Happy July, everybody. We hope you're all doing very well. Happy summer. And uh, how's my uh, co-host here in the broadcast chair, Ashton? How you doing, my man? Well, I'm doing great and great as always. Thanks so much for joining us on episode 23 of Champs and Chums. It's Anthony and Ashton here, your uh, co-hosts. And uh, boy, oh boy, Ashton, uh, the month of July is here. We got an exciting show for our listeners this month um but let's kick it off as we always do and kind of reflect on some of the goings on and great things that have happened in the month of july for us um of course uh we want to start off by wishing everyone um a happy canada day month hey ashton Uh, what do you want to say to the listeners and how do you feel about the uh the great country of canada here in this month of july well, I want to say uh, Happy Canada Day Month. Uh, it was July 1st, and uh, July 1st has passed, but uh, I want to say Canada is a really great country to be living in, and I can't wait to see what the future holds for me and uh, Canada as well. Oh, well put, my friend. Uh, oh, Canada to that, and, and cheers. How about an early fist bump to that? All right, A? a? <laughs> All right, good. So the double A's do an A. Another fist bump here, everybody, as we share pictures and descriptions yep. from episode 23. But uh, yeah, what a great way to put it, uh, Ashton. You know, um, uh, we are very fortunate to be living in a country like Canada, uh, where there's great opportunity, mm-hmm. lots of respect, and uh, obviously every country has uh, things to work on and things to evolve, especially, you know, when we look at the circumstances over the last year and a half. But uh, yeah, we're all very fortunate from coast to coast to coast to be um, living in a great country like Canada and, uh, you know, respect, opportunity and uh, the ability to thrive, not only as individuals, um, but as groups, as, as communities. Um, you know, it's it's amazing. We all... We all come to come to this country, whether we're born here or whether we immigrated from this country, with um, big hopes and passions, right? About uh, what we can do, what we can do for ourselves, what we can do for our family, how we can forge friendships. Um, 
it's an amazing thing, this country. And uh, yeah, hats off to uh, every Canadian who loves this great country and knows that there's better things ahead. So Ashton, but uh, you know what? July is also a big month in the household. And and personally for you, why don't you share with the listeners why July is a big month for you? So on July 5th, I turned nine and um, I went golfing on uh, on my birthday and uh, it was really fun. I've obviously went to the uh, driving range just to like uh, practice uh, and my birthday was in, in like the most best birthday ever. Well, that's nice of you to say, man, and uh, happy ninth birthday to my best of chum, Ashton, um, from all our fans, uh, you know, and we, we saw a lot of great uh, wishes for you on your birthday day, uh, some messages from a lot of your fans, Ashton, whether it be on social media or phone calls or texts or... Mm-hmm video calls um but anyhow uh, and even in person as well too so um at a distance of course but yeah it was great to celebrate your ninth birthday and uh yeah you kind of talked about some of the great um gifts that you were able to net um no pun intended i mean let's yeah the golf clubs for sure i'm I'm so happy that uh i feel i kind of have a golf buddy here now (laughs) Cheryl, to to play but uh yourself and uh and mom and I went out on your birthday day. And why don't we give a shout out to um, to that beautiful course up in lovely Erin, Ontario. Just about, just under, what, about 25 minutes away from where we are? Yes, Erin Heights. Uh, I, we want to shout out to you for making my birthday possible and uh, making all the other times we came possible. So we really want to thank you very much. So, I mean, you, you, you debuted the first time you actually played on a, on, on a golf course. Now, you, you yep. went to the driving range, as we've talked about in previous episodes. You've, you've tried your hand at miniature golf. But why don't you share with the listeners how different it is to sort of, you know, play, like, uh, you know, on, on an actual golf course? Oh, yes. Uh, it, it is way longer than miniature golf or driving range. It is uh, bigger in size, and um, it's more like uh, advanced and harder. That's what I I learned from like uh, uh, the times I went to Aaron again and again. Shout out to Aaron. That's right. Shout out to all the great folks at Aaron Heights Golf Course. A great, uh, great course. A nine-hole course. Um, just really a hidden gem, Ashton. Right. Uh, yeah. And yeah, I want to thank all the staff for uh, making Ashton's first time there so special. Uh, and his first golf experience so special and that's what's great about the great game of golf but uh, yeah let's motor on to some other things right that has been happening in um, for you uh, in July Um, you know I'm thinking about hockey again of course which we still continue to play and then uh, music yep so uh, music I've I've been singing more during COVID uh and you might not know this about me, fans, but I'm more of a rock person. You sure are, man. Yeah. The king of queen. Yeah. Queens or queen. Yeah, just a play on words there. But yeah, why don't you share your love about uh, the rock band? And man, you you must be a throwback, right? 
yeah. mature well beyond your years to love a band like that. But uh, share with the listeners why. So uh, my favorite band, as my dad said, is Queen. Uh, I think their band's just great because they've had many legendary moments. Of course, they have a, a very great frontman, Freddie Mercury, a great bassist, John Deacon, a, a great guitarist, Brian May, and a great drummer, uh, Roger Taylor. So I think what really combines them is that they they just met up, uh, like, well, Brian May and Roger Taylor were already in a band, then their lead singer left, so uh, then Freddie Mercury joined, then um after four uh like uh bass auditions they finally found uh someone named John Deacon and from there on they just made a they just made a success in rock and roll you're a tremendous resource on queen i mean you know i i i, I myself i mean uh, my uh my love uh, for your love for them far outweighs mine, right? You have a deep knowledge and history. Yeah. And we always talk about this on Champs and Chumps too, Ashton. I mean, you have a passion for something, a thirst for knowledge, and you put that into action, right, with your love for Queen. So good stuff, my man. And then obviously as well too, we want to go from vocals to think about instruments. Why don't you talk yeah. a little bit about what you're up to uh, in this month of July on the, um, let's say, putting a string on it. Yeah, so... Um, or no strings attached or something. Some, uh, I'm thinking a pun here, everybody. But anyhow, go ahead, Ashton. So uh, this uh, this month in, in July, I've started picking up, you know, guitar more, like ukulele. And um, it's been really fun. And my dad has just said to me, whenever you're walking around the house, I, I always see you with that guitar. So... Uh, yeah, I'm also I'm also really like trying to get good at the at the guitar, and also at the same time uh, have fun as well. Well, absolutely, and uh, shout out to the Power Girls, um, uh, Ashley and Serena, who both uh, sort of give you a little bit of a a mini tutorial, right, to kind of get things going. What's that song? Is it Riptide? Is it's it? Riptide, yeah. Exactly. So uh, yeah, shout out to the Power Girls who continue to do a magnificent job helping us produce Champs and Chums every month and bringing it to you, our great fans. Okay, Ashton, um, the other big thing that has come come up is this has been, when we think we shift now to the sports talk, this has been a big month for soccer, July, right? Yep. Um, it's been a big month, so much so that we um, saw um, Team Italy, Forza Italia, uh, Forza Azuri, as, as it were, um, win the Euro Cup, where at the time of recording in the midst of some gold cup competition too, but we struck gold, Ashton, no pun intended, for our guest that's coming up on the show. Uh, why don't you tell the fans who's coming up on episode 23, our best of guest? Yep. Uh, 
former international team player. That means he played for Team Canada, and uh, he was a Canadian soccer superstar, Tommy Kuzmanis. Oh, what a great, great guest. Fans, you're going to want to listen to that in-depth interview with, uh, as Ashton mentioned, uh, former Canadian national team player. Played played and uh, had interest internationally as well too, Ashton. So some of those big competitions, we're talking about World Cup competition, Olympic competition, and uh, I just mentioned Gold Cup. That kind of brings it to full circle. Tommy Kuzmanis, our best of guest, played in the world uh, in in the Gold Cup. How about that? Well, Dad, that is outstanding. And you know what's extra special about Tommy? He's a Scarborough boy who starred in my generation, a wonderful class of uh, soccer players, and Tommy was a cut above uh, so many uh, all-star chums who played this great game, turned heads playing the great game of soccer. So check that out. That's coming up a little later on the show. Our best of guest, Tommy Kuzmanis. Good stuff, uh, Ashton. Well, listen, we're going to um, uh, stick handle now and dr- or I should say take the, the ball up the field because, uh, fans, it's now time for our father-son free-for-all segment. So Ashton and I usually pick a topic, a theme for the segment, and we take the listeners through our gold, silver, bronze. And, you know, with all this talk, Ashton, about, um, you know, Canada Day, it's a big month to celebrate our country, it made me start thinking of the colors red and white, yeah, it did make me uh, think about that too. You as well, eh? Well, basically, we we shared notes and we put together for you, everybody, our gold, silver, bronze for red and white sports teams. Ashton, take it away with your bronze medal. My bronze medal is the Kansas City Chiefs. Amazing, the Kansas City Chiefs. And why did you pick the Kansas City Chiefs? Because they are they are decorated in. Uh, a cool-looking red, almost close to like a poppy red uh, and, and white. Why would you pick the Kansas City Chiefs? Well, I think that they're just an amazing uh, football team. And also, I really do think that they have one of the best uh, hardworking uh, players, Pat, uh, Patrick Mahomes. You're right. We talked about Patrick Mahomes on a previous episode, right? But yeah, um, yeah the Kansas City Chiefs, um, I guess, started in the American Football League in 1960, but their early beginnings in the NFL was 1970. And of course, um, Ashton, uh, you know, uh, you mentioned um, uh, P- Patrick Mahomes as well, too. This this club has had um, uh, three uh three league championships they've got two super bowls one in 1969 another one in 2019 um, a decorated club and i must tell you as well too it was on a great zoom call uh probably about uh, almost a, cu- a couple months ago with some old chums from 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 the leafs uh, uh media and, and and press box and i tell you that was a lot of fun and i can tell you ashton that i spoke to to probably the biggest, longest, and deepest Kansas City Chiefs fan in the history. That is John, an old chum, John John Cazetto. Um, shout out to him and all the great folks over there. It's great to catch up with some old chums there on a Zoom call talking about the good old days. And uh, yeah, Maple Leaf forever. So how about that? Okay, Ashton, uh, it's now Dad's turn. 
So everybody, I thought long and hard about red and white sports teams, and I wanted to, in my selections, make sure I brought it a bit closer to home. So this one is not maybe close to our home, literally, uh, Ashton, but my bronze medal is the Oshawa Generals. That's right, everybody. The Ontario Hockey League's Oshawa Generals, a decorated um, uh, junior hockey team. I mean, Ashton, some of the best of when it comes to hockey. I mean, we're talking about uh, Bobby Orr. Let's, let's, uh, let's start and end there. The great defenseman, number four, Bobby Orr, that played for the Boston Bruins and starred for the Boston Bruins. Um, yeah, he played with, um, uh, with the Oshawa Generals at, uh, at the ripe old age of 16 years old as well, too. But yeah, um, the Oshawa Generals, uh, a storied franchise. I believe they still play out of the General Motors um, uh, um, uh, Stadium there in Oshawa. So that's my selection for red and white sports teams, the Oshawa Generals. And I would be remiss, Ashton, if I didn't mention there's another star player, many star players. I mean, Eric Lindros, but I want to I center on one of them, no pun intended. That's... Number 91 in your program, number one in your hearts, Johnny Toronto, Johnny Tavares, Ashton. What do you think about that? Well, Dad, that is just outstanding. Well, it is. And so he was a former Oshawa general and now stars for your Toronto Maple Leafs. Good stuff. All right, Ashton, it's over to you now with your silver medal. My silver medal is the Arizona Cardinals. I love that pick. And I tell you why, everybody. The Arizona Cardinals, probably just behind my Buffalo Bills, we talked about them early in in, uh, in 2021 here, Ashton, yeah. is probably my, my next favorite team. You know, I mean, Dave Craig, who, who starred for the Seattle Seahawks, I believe Dave Craig had some time with the Arizona Cardinals. But yeah, I mean, always impressed uh, with... Um, who was the quarterback behind the snap there? Was it Neil, Don, Don, uh, Neil O'Donnell? He was also, I believe, uh, behind the the, uh, the huddle there. Anyhow, Ashton, you you t- you take us away. Tell us a little bit more about the um, the Arizona Cardinals. Well, the Arizona Cardinals are uh, a football team, and their team colors, as were um, in the concept of red and white, their colors are red, white, and black. So. Um, the team history is uh, they were created in 1920. And before the NFL, of course. Yeah, before the NFL. And uh, their championships. Yeah, let's take a look. Let's share some of the stats on some of the, the championships, Ashton. So they had two league championships. Uh, and NFL championships uh, pre-1970. Uh, AFL, NFL, uh, merge, they have two of them. Yeah, but look at those conference championships, NFC. Yep. What year was that? 2008. That's right. Division championships as well, too. Uh, great stuff, Ashton. And, uh, I'll tell you something as well. There's another reason why I like the Arizona Cardinals. What? Because if you recall, this might've been back in episode seven 
Uh, I believe when we had our, our great uh, chum, John Lashway, uh, president of the Hamilton Honey Badgers, executive with the CBL, uh, runs a, a great um, uh, firm. But uh, we, we actually got into the conversation about favorite movies, and I believe I selected Jerry Maguire as my gold medal. And I'll tell you why. In that movie, the Arizona Cardinals, Rod Tidwell, was actually playing for the Arizona Cardinals. How about that? Well, that is just a great thing to hear uh, now that you hear that. like you pull it all together, right, Ashton? Yeah. All right, good stuff. That's Ashton's uh, silver medal. That's the Arizona Cardinals. Now over to Dad for my silver medal for red and white sports teams. I'm going to, again, keep it in the great country of Canada. My silver medal is the Calgary Stampeders. That's right, everybody. The Calgary Stampeders of the CFL. Um, I've always enjoyed watching this team play. They've had such great quarterbacks as well. Uh, Doug Flutie, of course. Um, uh, Jeff Garcia also was behind the snap. And, you know, some really great, uh, that slot back. Dave Sapungis also, too, was a great slot back of the, of the Calgary Stampeders. But, you know, this team... When we talk about decorated and, and, and successful, Ashton, eight Grey Cup championships, 48, 71, 92, 98, 2001, 2008, 2014, and 2018. Of course, they were led uh, for, for part of the way by a great uh, Hall of Fame coach in that, um, uh, Wally Buono as well, too. So there you have it, everybody. There's a dad's silver medal for... Uh, red and white sports teams, the Calgary Stampeders. Okay, Ashton, it's over to you to unveil your gold medal, and I think you're going to bring the fans to their feet with this announcement. My gold medal is the Montreal Canadiens. Wow, the Montreal Canadiens. Do you mean the Stanley Cup finalists, the Montreal Canadiens? Yes. Do you mean the, the, the club that um, has been so successful that they've won 24 Stanley Cups, the Montreal Canadiens? Yes. Well, why do you share with the listeners a little bit more about why the Montreal Canadiens? Why did you select them as your gold medal? Well, uh, they do have amazing players and one of the best goalies to be in the NHL, Carey Price. And um, let Let's talk about their Stanley Cups. Man, those are a lot of Stanley Cups. 24 Stanley Cups. Yeah, for sure. And the last one, Mm 92-93 season, they were hoping, of course, this year in 2021 that they could have upset the Tampa Bay Lightning, but their Cinderella run to the Stanley Cup Cup fell a bit short. Um, But, yeah, I mean, great job by that team. You know, that's kind of proof positive, Ashton, that I mean, what you do in the regular season, and we, you know, Carey Price obviously uh, battles some nagging injuries in the regular yeah. season, but he was there, and he backstopped them to make quite a run. He's the, what do you call him, the money goalie, right? Yeah. He's always there when it's on the line, and uh, he played really well, and so did that entire team. You know, they they basically caught lighting, lightning in a bottle, and they went all the way to the finals, but yeah, and also, any extra thoughts yeah, on our on your gold medalist? Uh, yeah, uh, so the Montreal Canadiens have 
24 division championships and 24 Stanley Cups. Unbelievable, for sure. Shout out to uh, General Manager Mark Bergevin. Uh, much maligned at times in a, in, a, in a media market so deep and vast and controversial like Montreal. Uh, he, he rose to the occasion with some key signings and pulled the team together. Dominic Ducharme as well, uh, the interim head coach. And um, I'm going to whisper this a little bit, Ashton, but I found myself actually with a rooting interest. I rooted a little bit for the Canadians during the finals. What about you? Well, uh, yeah, I actually did root for them after... Uh, and, you know, we're saying this because we're big Leaf fans too, but, you know, yeah. it was just really nice to uh, see a Canadian team go far. Good stuff, Ashton. Yes. Okay, well, it's now Dad's turn to unveil my gold medalist for red and white sports teams and i'm going to go the soccer route since we have our best of guest tommy kuzmanis coming on the show my gold medal for red and white sports teams is the toronto fc ashton what do you think about that and why do you share you've actually went to a toronto fc game yes i went when i was young with uh uh uncle mike Grayson. And That's right. You went Reagan? twice, but the first time you you went with me actually, thanks to our our longtime chum there, uh, Mike, and uh, he 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 uh, got us a couple tickets, some um, some great seats to watch your first ever game. You might have been all of oh Ashton, I don't know. I would say Maybe probably like four. four or five years old. Yeah. Maybe probably five. that age. Yeah. Well, everybody, the Toronto FC. I must say, I mean, they're a decorated uh, franchise. Um, they were founded in October of two thousand and five. So, can you believe it? The Toronto Football Club is in the MLS is fifteen years old. Um, can you believe that? Sixteen, if you count this year. And they're back. They're back. They yes. they were they were able to clear federal, provincial, and municipal um, um, the guidelines. So they met all the guidelines and they played in front of the fans i believe there was about seven thousand fans at bmo field but i tell you something we know this because we we witnessed it firsthand those toronto fc fans boy oh boy are they loud and are they proud i know like uh it it can uh we, so uh what happened when we went to like uh to cne is we went to the soccer game after that and uh, those fans were loud and pr proud. They really rocked that stadium. Well, they sure did. And it was, it's just, I love the atmosphere in soccer. And I mean, yeah. you know, uh, Tommy will share some of his great experiences actually playing in front of like Mecca crowds too, right? And in, in Olympic and world competition and, and such like that. I mean, I mean, that's an unbelievable experience, right? I mean, fans are singing, fans are chanting. So... Anyhow, we could go on and on talking about the great game of soccer, which, uh, um, you know, we, we both love. But, uh, yeah, that's my gold medal, everybody. The Toronto FC. Good stuff. Well, we've got lots more to come on episode 23, but Ashton, you're going to take us to break. This ends our father-son free-for-all segment. More father-son fun talk coming up. You're listening to the Champs and Chums podcast. Father-Son Fun Talk, you're listening to episode 23 of the Champs and Chums podcast. And Ashton, it's now time for a next edition of our Best of segment. 
and what an outstanding guest we have for our fans this month. Hey Ashton, I got two questions for you, my man. Are you ready to kick off with our best for episode 23? Sure am. Are you ready to go bar down here on Champs and Chums? Of course. Well, our very special guest put color and inspiration into the words Maple Leaf Forever. He impressed noted observers and the soccer community across Canada early in his youth. Our special guest is gifted with soccer talent like no other. His knack for the net, world-class finish, heart, and hard work saw his career rise to levels many could only dream of. He was the Canadian Soccer League's first overall selection in 1991. His Canadian accomplishments included prolific seasons in the CSL, A-League, CPSL, and NPSL. He also starred for Canada on some of the biggest stages of international play, including World Cup and Olympic competition. His name is forever etched in Canadian soccer history. In his debut for Canada's national team, he scored two goals, one of only five Canadians to accomplish that feat. In his second game, he added two more tallies, earning back-to-back two-goal games, a Canadian soccer record that stands to this day. His Canadian success earned him more professional experience on the international stage. He drew interest from, competed, or trained with world-renowned European programs including the Greek Super League, League One, and the Premiership in England with Manchester United, Aston Villa, and the Glasgow Rangers. Among the most heralded Scarborough soccer stars of my generation, he was a cut above an already legendary class who competed in the great game. He inspired many young Canadians in leadership capacities as a head coach and in professional development. He continues to serve the game he loves as a mentor. Ladies and gentlemen, we are pleased to be joined by Canadian soccer star and former international Tommy Kuzmanis. Tommy, welcome to Champs and Chums. Thank you, Anthony, and thank you, Ashton, for having me on the program. Oh, it's a real pleasure. So great to catch up with you. You know, in in, uh, talking to Ashton about your amazing soccer career, which so many fans across Canada and the world have witnessed, I I took him back to our old Scarborough community roots, Tommy, right? So (laughs) it was a great way to be able to uh, talk to him about a sport that was so dear um, uh, in Scarborough and of course, as I mentioned in my intro, I mean, you are, were among the best among so many great names and people. Uh, you know, Tommy and I are of the same vintage, everybody. So there's some great names uh, that we played uh, with and uh, shared the feel with. And it's so great to have you on the show. Thank you. Good stuff. Well, uh, um, Tommy, it's it's Dad over here to start off uh, uh, our great chat with our best of guest, and um, wonder if you can take the fans through your early interest and ambitions to play soccer, starting out in community, which I, I just alluded to, and then on to the national and international stage. Sure. Um, it wasn't really until I mean, as a young kid, I, I was always playing, you know, with my brother. He was a few years younger than me. Um, my brother Gus, but it wasn't really until, you know, the age of eight when, you know, I, I started to get into organized soccer and it was just, you know, playing house league at that time with agent court soccer club. And, um, you know, in fact, that, that year I had actually played 
uh, with uh, players who were like four years older than me. And I only played half a season, played about eight games. Uh, I remember scored like about 45 goals. Oh, man. And, the, and the coach at that time just basically said, house league's not for you. Uh, you should not be here. <laughs> you need to go, you need to go play rep. And it, it was at that point where they kind of, you know, helped us and, and pointed us in the right direction. And uh, I ended up playing uh, for Aiden court soccer club when I initially started rep at U nine. Um, my coach at the time was Alan Hosey. Um, you know, I'm going to do some name dropping as well while I'm doing Please, this. Tommy. Um, so, yeah. you know, cause I'm sure there's going to be a lot of people in the Scarborough community who will recognize these names. Uh, so it was Alan Hosey at that time. I played just a few seasons with them. And then I moved on to Wexford Soccer Club, uh, where Tom Croft and his brother James Croft were my coaches for a few years. Um, won some Ontario Cups. We were the top team in Scarborough at the time. And then um, eventually I, I ended up moving to Maple Leaf Soccer Club when I was uh, U13. And it, it just kind of went from there. And, um, you know, the... The great thing about that team was that, you know, at the time, Maple Leaf uh, in, in our league, we're, we're about top three in, in Scarborough, top three, top four. Um, and me being with Wexford at the time, we were at the top. And, you know, we, we ended up just making a move to go um, to Maple Leaf. And then lo and behold, when I got there, I just started to see players from all of the other teams around us uh, in Scarborough, like some of the, the, the better players happened to go to Maple Leaf as well. And, and it essentially ended up being like a select team from Scarborough where all these players just pulled together and played at Maple Leaf. And we just kind of dominated not only in Scarborough, but then at the time when we moved on to play in the NSL, um, you know, we were, you know, just a dominant force for, you know, about five years there, you know, winning, you know, four Ontario Cups, national championships. We, we just basically had won everything. Our coach at the time was Ray Walker. Um, I right. also had Henry Halu. Uh, he came in as an interim coach uh, at one point. Um, Henry Halu was a referee, but he was also, you know, uh, coaching us as well for for uh, for a small time period. Um, but that's pretty much my journey in terms of the organized soccer route in in Scarborough. But during that whole time period, um, you know, I was I was just you know, someone who was, um, you know, heavily involved in, in, in just all sports, you know, you know, right through elementary school and, 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 you know, even just in, in the neighborhoods, we were just constantly playing and it wasn't just soccer. It was just baseball, tennis, hockey, street hockey, you name it. We would, we would be out there on, in the, in the parks, in the fields, you know, playing with our neighbors, playing against you know back then it would be you know this street against that street right you know for territorial and bragging rights so you know we were always just actively involved um all the time and um and so i i think that really attributed to to you know for for me just just being constantly active and and having that um that athletic um side to me that's amazing. And um, uh, Tommy, uh, you mentioned, uh, yeah, I mean, it's great to hear some of those names, names that I've been familiar with. You know, you mentioned some of the coaches uh, as, you, as you grew into it. And 
um, you know, definitely the time with Maple Leaf, uh, you know, even in explaining it to Ash and I mentioned to you off air, I was with the B Maple Leaf team. So I, uh, you were the Austin Matthews, you, you and the A team. <laughs> and, and then I was kind of like the Marley side, uh, with, you know, being Pierre Engvall kind of chipping in the odd goal and such. But, uh, anyways, that, that, that's kind of the Maple Leaf memories for sure, Tommy. But, yes. um, let's talk about the people. Cause you know, I heard you talk about that in, in, in our early chat here, um, can you talk about the importance of mentorship for you as, as you traveled along your tremendous career and maybe talk about who some of your greatest mentors were and how they helped you build success as a player uh, on and off the field? Sure, absolutely. Um, you know, during, you know, during my career, I mean, I, and, I, and I've always echoed this, uh, no matter who I talk to, you know, I've, I've had so many coaches along the way, and it really didn't matter whether it was, you know, for me just starting out soccer to, you know, even at, at this stage of my life, you know, when I was still kind of competing at a, you know, at a, you know, over 35 level, you know, you, you come across so many people and, and the paths that you come across, you know, of, of meeting people, you know, I, I feel that, you know, that's a, a part of my um, success, uh, you know, learning from others, whether it's the players that you played with who were older, uh, some more experienced and, uh, coaches that you've had, you know, you know, you've, you have different variety of coaches with different styles. So you, you get, you know, to see uh, a lot and, and then that basically forms how you want to be as, as an individual, how you should conduct yourself, how you should be. Um, so when I look at my success over uh, the course of my career, you know, I, I, I feel like everyone has been a part part of that journey. You know, it, it doesn't matter whether it was at U16 or U17 or if it was at the professional level. For, for me to get to where I, I needed to, to get to, uh, everyone was a part of that journey. And that also includes for me you know, trainers, doctors, therapists, uh, because they're also a, a big influence uh, throughout all of that. I would say for me, um, some of my biggest mentors obviously would be my dad. Um, you know, my dad, um, you know, played, uh, you know, semi-pro here. Um, you know, he played professionally as well. He was, you know, at one point part of the, you know, the, um, you know, the infamous uh, Toronto City professional team, and he uh -huh. played alongside Sir Stanley Matthews uh -huh. and, you know, Johnny Banchflower. So, you know, he, you know, so it was, you know, he was also a very good, not only soccer player, but he was also like a five-pin bowling champion. He knew how to swim. He was, uh, you know, he knew how to skate. So here was this immigrant uh, dad, you know, who came from another country and, you know, and kind of adopted the, you know, the, not only bringing his love for the game of soccer, but also, you know, trying to, you know, also acclimatize to the Canadian environment. And, um, you know, so I, I look at him and, and drew that inspiration because as young kids, we would see some of the trophies that he had and, and you would see the newspaper clippings and the pictures with him and the trophies. And you're there going, I guess he was a really good player. And then, you know, and then all of a sudden you start hearing from other people about how good he was. And if he never came to Canada, you know, he definitely would have had a professional career uh, in Europe. And so you're there, you know, not just kind of listening to your dad, but you're listening to others kind of echo that. And, and so you're, when, he, when he talked, 
I would be the type where I guess I got to listen. I, I guess he really knows what he's talking about. Mm-hmm. So definitely my dad would be, you know, right up there. Um, we did have family members who were also um, successful in other um, aspects of, of sport. Um, you know, I had a cousin who was uh, a very good tennis player um, back in the day. And I just remember as a kid, we would go to their house and the trophies that we would just see, it was just unbelievable. And, you know, and that kind of inspired us as little kids. We're like, I would love to have those types of trophies and, you know, and win and win this and win that. And, you know, and I just would remember him telling us, well, if you work hard and you, you know, and you put the time and the effort in, you know, and, and you have the love for the game, then, you know, good things will happen you know, as long as you keep pursuing it. And so, you know, that kind of inspired us as young kids as well. From the coaching standpoint, um, again, so many coaches, I would say um, two or three that really, I would say probably about three or four that really stand out to me um, would definitely be um, Gary Miller. Um, you know, no, he's no longer with us. He passed away last year, but he was my assistant coach with the uh, under 16 national team. Um, but then over the years, we just, um, you know, developed a friendship. He started off with his uh, Bryce International Soccer Academy. And over the years, you know, he kind of got me on board um, to, to work with him and, and help him. And, you know, so there, there I was getting that now coaching perspective of, you know, the other side of the, of the, of the ball. And, um, you know, and I, and I learned a lot from him. And, you know, he was someone who was, you know, definitely um, instrumental in me being, you know, the coach that I am today. Um, you know, I look at someone like Ray Clark, um, you know, Ray Clark uh, was, uh, you know, at the time my provincial uh, coach and, and the funny story with him is that, you know, there was one, at one point where I actually did not make the under 16 national team and I was devastated. I was gutted. I couldn't believe I was cut. And here he was talking to my dad saying, I want your son to be with the under 17 provincial program, mm. which was for me at that time, it was two years older than me. And I, re- and I still remember to this day, my dad telling him, Ray, my son just got cut from the under 16 national team. And you want him to play with the under 17 provincial team with players from Ontario who were on the previous under 16 national team. So players who have all of this experience and you want him now to play there and I remember he, him just telling my dad, you know, I think they made a mistake and, you know, and that's why I'm calling. If, if I find that, you know, he works with me and we get him on the right path, then there's no reason that not only he can make this team, but we'll certainly get him back on that national team. And I think that was for me at that time, that, um, that switch that really kind of lit things up for me. Um, because I, I, I could have really been any other type of Canadian player at the time where, you know, you, you're cut from the program and, and you basically say, I give up, you know, I, I, you know, you, you're disgruntled, you you don't want to move on. You're, you're kind of upset about, you know, uh, the whole Canadian soccer scene. You're upset about maybe politics, you know, you start throwing those uh, out around there. And I could have been one of those type of players to kind of go that route. That wasn't me. I, I was more of the type where um, I, I would just kind of fuel that and, and use that energy to basically say, I'm going to prove you're wrong. 
and um, and and it just went from there. And you know, and being under Ray Clark as a coach, I, I learned so much from him. Um, and the players that I was surrounded with, uh, some older players, it definitely got me, um, you know, inspired again. And and it it got to the point where not only did I make that under 16 national team afterwards when I had a, a great uh, tournament with the U17 uh, provincial team at the at the national championships, but the under 19 national team coaches were also vying for me at that time as well. So we had two national teams basically fighting over as to, well, which camp are we going to have him go to? And so I knew at that point that, you know, um, good things were going to happen for me uh, as long as, you know, I just uh, basically, you know, kept uh, plugging away. So definitely Ray Clark was uh, one of those coaches. Um, I can't forget Jim Lefkos. Uh, You know, Jim Lefkos was my university coach at U of T. Um, someone who, um, you know, not only I played for, but I was also an assistant coach with him uh, for about five seasons. And he was just someone who was uh, just there for me uh, at, at every, at every uh, aspect. You know, it, he was, um, you know, just a, a great supportive coach, but also someone who was, you know, um, you know showed me the ropes. Uh, kind of showed me the 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 soccer scene at the university level, what it entails, what it's all about, um, you know. And I and I learned a lot about uh, from him. And he was also a very good player back in his days when he played professionally. And I think the probably the last one I would say was uh, Valerio Gazzola. So he was my coach with the Montreal Impact, and Valerio was against one of those coaches. He was just a great players coach, um, someone who was. You knew what you were getting from Valerio. Very passionate, loved the game. Um, you know, he was someone who, um, you know, wouldn't be, you know, scared to express his opinion. You knew when he was, he'd be upset about something, but you, you knew that, um, you know, it, he was just so passionate about it and he, he cared so much. And as a player, you would just respond to that. So you never looked at him as someone as, uh, you know, you would just kind of check him out as a player. You you knew that if he yelled, he had a reason. And so as a player, you respected that because you saw two sides of him, you know, where if he got upset, oh, he means business. But you also saw, you know, the the kind, soft, soft part about him. And as a player, you know, you, you just respected that. And um, so I would probably say those were some of the 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 best mentors in terms of um the coaching aspect um i think from a player perspective um one player that just comes to mind is uh paul pesos um i i remember back then thinking about going to europe was almost like non-existent you know we're in an era where there was no internet you know no connection to europe watching soccer on tv was very rare so when you heard of a Canadian player going overseas, um, and, and Pesh had some great seasons in the CSL at that time, it, it was like, wow, I, I would like to do what he's doing. you know. And he was playing a little bit of the indoor uh, soccer circuit in the U.S. at one point, and then he went off to England. And, and he was someone that, you know, I played with him on the Canadian Olympic team for, for a short period, but he was just someone as, as a Canadian player you kind of wanted to be in his shoes and be like, I would like to be what he's, what he's doing. I would like to go to, 
you know, to England or be overseas and kind of follow that path. So when you saw that happening, then as a player, you believe that that could be me next. And so, you know, he was someone that, uh, you know, that I always kind of uh, at that time, you know, had looked up to and, and inspired to be. Absolutely. And some real rich perspective there, Tommy, some great background and insights for our, for our listeners. We talk a lot about it here on Champs and Chums, you know, success and greatness is, it's never a straight line, you know, and hearing you recount some of those great stories and, you know, um, uh, you know, your rise and, and, and sometimes uh, the pauses when it came to national uh, team appearances and, and, and playing on the provincial team two years up. I mean, that's just a great example of what we talk about on Champs and Chums of, you know, sticking with it, the process. So great stuff. And I heard you talk about your cousin there. If you were impressed about his, his, was it, was it, uh, was it him or her? Uh, it, it was a him. Yeah. It was a him. You yep. were impressed by his trophy case. I've seen pictures and videos of your of your guys' trophy cases, you and Gus. So, I mean, like, boy, oh, boy, that must have been really impressive uh, on the tennis scene for sure. Yes, yeah, <laughs> yes. <laughs> good, good stuff. Hey, uh, uh, we're going to turn it over now, Tommy, to my chum Ashton to the right of me in the broadcast chair who has some questions for you. All right. Yeah. Tommy, you've had... Uh, outstanding su- success in your c- soccer career as a player and a coach. Can you share some of your personal career highlights? Sure, absolutely. Um, you know, let's start off, I guess, with, you know, being, you know, with the Canadian men's uh, national team, you know, having that honor of, of not only being a, a pro player, you know, playing here in Canada and, you know, in the U.S., but, you know, anytime that you're, you're called upon to wear the national team jersey, and in my case, you know, I've I can say that you know I'm I'm one of those rare players. Um, you know, there's a number of players who have done it, but I'm I'm a rare breed where, you know, a player can actually say that they've played for Canada at every single level. So you know, I've I've been with the U16 national team, been at a, a Youth World Cup. Um, you know, I've been at the U19 uh, World Cup, which is now the U20. Sorry, uh, we would, we didn't make the World Cup. We we just fell short of it. Um, but I was a part of the U20 or the U19 at that time national team. And then for me, one of my biggest highlights was being on the Canadian Olympic team on two occasions. Um, you know, when we we're trying to qualify for Barcelona. Uh, at that time, I was 17, 18. Uh, I was a starter. And it was basically the first time around when they had the, the Olympic program being a, a U23 tournament. So here I was playing against players or, or playing with players um, who were, you know, in some cases, two, three, four years older than me. And I was a start and I was a starter. So that for me was a, gr- a great accomplishment, you know, being a number one draft pick overall, um, you know, to, to basically almost have those bragging rights, uh, so to speak, that you know you're the number one selection uh, overall is a, you know is a great accomplishment, a great feat. And then the the stuff that I've done with the men's national program, um, even though it was a short career because of my injuries, you know, a lot of success there. You know, being the the uh, you know the only Canadian player uh, to score uh, two goals in back-to-back games, coming off of an international debut, and I, and I'm still trying to. I get to the bottom of this one. I, I haven't really pressed this uh, notion yet, but um, I, 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 I'm certain that 
my two goals in that first game probably are the two fastest goals uh, that have been scored back to back as well, because they were like well under a minute apart. It was like 52 seconds or so 53 seconds. So under a minute. So I've, I've never pushed that button with Canadian soccer, but um, you know, just kind of knowing the history of Canadian soccer, I can't recall a, a Canadian team men's or women's where I've seen, uh, you know, a player score back-to-back goals uh, under a minute. So, um, well, well, we'll, we'll certify it here we'll, on air, Tommy. We'll yeah. certify it here on air. <laughs> we'll, we'll try to get to the bottom Be, of that one. Because I tell you, I mean, you know, growing up, and as I mentioned, we're the same age and, and vintage. And so uh, those were brilliant goals that you scored. In fact, listeners, that second goal, was it Tommy, was across from uh, our episode 18 guest, Alex Bunbury. I it believe. was, it was, yeah, it, it was, uh, you know, I still remember it. it. It was a throw-in that came off of uh, Mark Watson, um, gave it to Alex. Alex, uh, you know, controlled it, turned, and, and just whipped it into the box. And, you know, and I still remember, you know, I was kind of back post thinking it would come that way. And when Alex hit it, you know, I, I remember that, oh, geez, you know, it's not coming back post. And I, I, at that moment, I decided that I, I'm going to get to that ball. Um, I think a lot of players at that point would have just kind of stood still and, and froze where, where I was initially positioned, being near the back post. Um, but I just, you know, I have always had a knack for the goal and, and always had that determination. And I was going to make sure that I was going to get to that, uh, to that ball before the, uh, before the Jamaican defender um, got to it to head it out. And, and um, the rest is, I guess, history, oh, brilliant. As, as you can say. Brilliant. Um, I, I think some of the other highlights, um, you know, that I, I'm very proud about, um, it, you know, over the course of my career, um, you know, I'm a nine-time Canadian national champion. So whether it was at the youth level, at um, the men's level, um, and also at the over 35 level, I've represented my, my uh, province on four, uh, three occasions, sorry. So overall, whether it was at a club level um, with Scarborough Maple Leafs, I won a national championship there. Uh, at the men's level with GS United, I won the Challenge Cup trophy with them um, back in 2005. I've won three national titles representing the province of Ontario. Um, for the Canadian Championships. And then on four occasions, I've won the over 35 Masters uh, Championship. Um, you know, so, you know, being, be, you know, calling yourself a nine-time Canadian champion. And, and the thing is, is that it's, it's going nine times and coming back with the gold nine times. Mm-hmm. So no silvers, no bronze, nine, time, nine trips, nine golds. It's something that I'm I'm really proud about. Um, so, you know, it, I would probably say those are some of my biggest highlights. You know, I've I've been a two-time Canadian uh, university um, CIS uh, All Canadian, uh, first team All Canadian, second team All Canadian. Um, you know, OUA top goal scorer. Um, you know, co-MVPs. So th- there's a, there's a lot to kind of you know talk about. You know, I think I've won the Ontario Cup about 11 times uh, during that process uh, over the course of my, you know, playing days, um, scoring uh, the winning goal 
for the Montreal Impact uh, to win the regular season title in 1995 um, against New York. So I, I think those are some of the, um, you know, the, the highlights that I would um, that I would probably say stand out for me the most. Tommy, what are some of the greatest lessons and words of advice you shared with your kids, Christian and Ava? Wow, great lessons or words of advice. Hmm. I, I, I think with my with my dad, he was someone that always had had told me to, you know, no matter who you're playing, who you're competing against just always go out there and, and, and play to your ability, you know? So he, he was the type of guy where, you know, if, if someone on the opposition is going to allow you to score three goals, then you go out there and score three goals. Don't feel sorry for the opposition. Don't feel sorry for, you know, the player who's marking you, you know, let them worry about that. You worry about your performance and playing to your ability. If the other player on the other team wants to not try anymore, or they give up, or they throw in the towel and they just say, you know, forget it, then that's their that's their issue to take. So he was always, you know, never drop your standard to whoever you're playing against. If, if they were weaker than you, lower than you, you continue to play at that at that uh, you know higher level all the time. And, and it's and it's funny because for me, one of my best friends growing up during the you know elementary and you know high school years um, was someone that I competed against in soccer, and he would tell me the stories of where you know um, you know when they would find out that oh we're going to play Maple Leaf next week and you know we're playing against Tommy you know and then players would be like. Well, well, good luck there, you know, David. I, you know, uh, I don't want to be in your shoes, so good luck next week. And and so David would tell me this stuff like, just we, we dreaded playing against you. We dreaded playing against Maple Leaf. So we were already we knew that we were defeated before we even got to the field. And so we knew that if we had any chance of beating you, just on, on let's say me alone, where I would score two or three goals a game that we knew that we had to at least score three or four goals just to tie or win a game. So they knew that they were just basically beat before they even got to the field. Um, so, you know, I think that those were words of advice from my dad, just to always play your level, never give up. I, um, there's a, a, there's three things that I always echo to my kids now. Um, my son is uh, just turned seven. My daughter is about uh, to be nine in August, and there's three things that I always ask of them, and and the three things that you know they now have instilled in their brain, and I always remind them before practice practices and so on is to listen to your coaches, always give your best, and just have fun, and I keep it simple with them, and I feel that that's really worked uh, well. For them, you know, at this age, you know, just to go out there and just give your best, have fun, listen to your coaches and, you know, and don't worry about anything else, especially at this age. 
You're listening to episode 23 of the Champs and Chums podcast. This is our best of segment. We're here with Canadian soccer star and former international Tommy Kuzmanis. It's uh, Anthony and Ashton in the broadcast chair. And um, uh, during this great conversation, Tommy, um, and we talk a lot about it on Champs and Chums, how sports seems to breed this tremendous sense of camaraderie. Um, and I've heard you talk about, you know, Pesca Salido and, and, and some of those coaches too, but I wonder if you can, uh, you know, give us more of that, um, as you have, but even more of that player perspective on, on camaraderie and pro sports and, you know, that importance of it during your, your playing career. Sure. Um, camaraderie. Oh, wow. It's, uh, such an important role, um, you know, on a team and, you know, when you're, when you're going through, whether it's the ups or downs, um, you're, you're, that is such an, an important, uh, you know, element to, to a team and, and their success. And, you know, some teams will have that camaraderie right from the beginning and, you know, because they've had that success right from the start and others, you know, it's a, it's a learning curve from them. You know, they've maybe had to go through the, you know, the, the many bumps along the road, um, and disappointments before they, they achieved some success. And, uh, during that time period, because, team you know teammates are 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 experiencing the same thing that when they finally have that success it's just so fulfilling for me i've you know when i look back you know the players that who are steered who are still the dearest and nearest to me are the ones that i played with during my my youth days um you know they're they're still my my closest and best friends and you know and that's something that um, that I find is, it's just something special. You know, I look at, you know, the kids nowadays it, and it doesn't matter what age it's at, whether they're, you know, U12 or U13, or they're playing the OPDL, uh, you know, nowadays that, you know, these, these kids that you're, your teammates with, that you're playing with, some of these, uh, players are going to be your lifelong friends, you know, because you've, you've shared, you know, practices together, you may have roomed together for tournaments, you've traveled, you've gone through the grind of, you know, big wins and, and maybe some disappointments uh, along the way. So, you know, when, you, when you're going through that grind and winning big games and championships, there is that sense of accomplishment where you did things not only from an individual standpoint, but also within a team framework. You know, and, you know, when you're, especially in defeat, when you lose those games, um, you know, you learn that tough love, you know, but you also learn about sportsmanship, um, you know, did it kind of, you know, did it kind of suck to lose a little bit? Absolutely. Um, but, you know, for, for me, I didn't lose much, uh, you know, in my playing days, but I, but when I did lose, you know, that was my ma- my motivational tool to make sure that, it, it never would happen again. And it's still something that, um, you know, uh, I'll touch upon this very quickly that I'm, I'm, I'm very proud about. Um, it, it didn't matter at whatever level that I had played at. Um, something that I will, you know, take to my grave is I, I never lost to the same team twice mm. in back-to-back games. Never. It didn't matter at what level it was at. So if I had lost a game, the next time we had played that same team, whether it was a week later, a month later, a year later, I never lost that, that repeat game. So for me, that was, 
you know, again, a sense of accomplishment because I really took it personal. You know, I, I, I always made sure that, you know, I was ready for the next task at hand against this team. Um, you know, I would remember that last game and, you know, and the good things and some of the bad things and what can be improved on, what can be, you know, done the next time to, to try to beat that opponent or, or beat the opposition. Um, whoever was marking me, um, some of the tactics that were involved. Um, so it, it was it was a sense of, a, you know, a, accomplishment from that standpoint. But when, when a player and a team go through those type of um, situations, you know, it's, um, it, it becomes, a, you know, um, you know, it's, it's, it's very self-fulfilling at, at that point. And it's really a testament to not only your, yourself, but it, it defines you. It builds your character. It builds your confidence, you know, that grit, determination, the discipline, trust that, you know, that you have within um, not only yourself, but also your teammates. Tommy, who are some of your favorite athletes of all time and why? Favorite athletes? You know, great question, Ashton. I would, you know, the thing is, is that I was, I, I really never had any soccer players. And, and here I am, a soccer player. Right. And, and, you know, they weren't really players again i guess maybe because of the generation that we grew up in where Mm -hmm. you know it's not like today where we can see you know whether it's cristiano ronaldo or messi you know watching them on tv all the time every time you can really gravitate to that player back then you know i had players that i really liked um but again you back then we would only maybe see that player play if we're lucky once a week, if, if, you know, if they played for, let's say Liverpool, I remember John Barnes, you know, for Liverpool being a left-sided player, you know, it was someone that I enjoyed watching. But again, back then we weren't able to, to watch these games literally, you know, at a, at a whim. So it was, it it was very rare. Um, You knew who the players were, but you couldn't really have that following for the player. For me, I ended up um, having that appreciation um, a little bit later on in my life. I, I would think that in my younger years, because we lived in Canada, I, I really liked um, Mike Bossy, the New York Islanders, that whole era. Um, but as I got older, I, you know, I really started to appreciate, you know, the athletes like Tom Brady, um, Wayne Gretzky, near the end of his career, um, Roger Federer. Um, and then obviously, you know, and nowadays, you know, Messi, you know, just seeing, you know, what they had to go through, um, you know, the, the sportsmanship, the discipline, um, that will to win, um, that determination, I, I think um, it's what really gravitated to, to me. You know, there's, there's one thing where you see the athlete performing on the field. But the love and appreciation that I have for a lot of athletes is the work that's behind um, the scenes that you, that we do not see. And I know it's been well documented where we've seen, you know, let's say Tom Brady, you know, after a game, you know, the very next day, he's watching tapes and he's reviewing not only the the game that he had just played the night before, but he's now getting ready for the next team that he's facing. And he's looking at 
what they do, how he can read different schemes, um, and so on. And so going into that game, he just already has that mental image of what he's what he's expecting the opposition to throw at him. And and then it makes his game that much more manageable. And I think that's what I, I really love about athletes is that preparation going into into a competition where they take it to the next level. And I think that's what separates them from everyone else. I know a lot of athletes to get to where they need to be, they they have to have that, not only that passion and that determination. Um, you know, everyone's kind of watching what they eat. They watch, you know, um, you know, the amount of sleep they get. They they're they're very disciplined from that aspect. But there are other athletes um, that just push the needle even further because that's how much they want to um, they want to achieve greatness. You know, um, Kobe Bryant. We've heard those stories where you know he's 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 there at like five five a.m. in the morning before anyone else is at the basketball arena. You know, just you know, getting ready for conditioning and training. You know, if you, if you want to be successful, those are the things that you need to do to kind of be just a little bit above the rest. Tommy, uh, July is a big month for international soccer. It was Euro Cup. Uh, what mm-hmm. were what were uh, your thoughts on the tournament and? Uh, what are some countries that surprised you throughout this Euro Cup? And I'll just sneak one other, a two-parter in there too, Tommy, because, I mean, obviously Gold Cup, our, our best of guest has uh, appeared and, and, and participated in Gold Cup as well too, because that's yes, started that as is. well. So I'd love to get your thoughts on that. Sure, absolutely. Um, let's start off, uh, obviously, with the Euro Cup, I guess. Um, for me, the Italian team was the best team in the tournament. Um, well-deserved victory. Uh, I thought that they were, um, you know, the class of the tournament. And from and it was it was a breath of fresh air to finally see a, an Italian team that didn't rely on just defensive tactics, but they actually went out there and went at teams. You know, it wasn't the traditional Italian team where they would just play, you know, nil-nil, rely on the counterattack. If they scored early, they would just pack it in and just win one-nil, and they were content with that. Or if they won in the knockout stages, they would just kind of play that defensive style. If they don't score, that's fine. We'll just take you to PKs. So it was really great to see this Italian team. And and I credit Mancini for all of this because he I think he was the one who was instrumental in, in all of this. He could have been the guy who, who said, I'm just gonna stick with the the traditional way, you know, of Italian soccer. And and again, he took I guess you can say that risk. He went out there and he selected players who had that flair. Uh, not to say that in the past Italian players did not have it. I was always just wary of why they never did it in the past either, because they've had some great talent, but they had just always relied on this type of tactical approach. So for Mancini to come out the way he did with the player selections and the style of play, it was entertaining soccer. Um, again, I felt that they were just the the best team, uh, not only leading into the tournament, but when they just got on that role in the tournament, um, you know, they had a little bit of a scare there with Austria. But again, you know, a a little bit of a defining moment moment for them. They found a way to win. They got over that hurdle. And then 
they won, went on to, you know, to play the likes of Belgium and Spain and obviously to win, you know, uh, against a, you know, a, a heavily favored crowd there at Wembley Stadium. You're down 1-0 right off the bat. And to basically just have that composure, you know, to settle down, which they did. And, and they basically, you know, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't say they dominated the game, but they basically controlled that game uh, from the possession standpoint. And, you know, to come back and, and not only tie the game, um, but then, you know, they had opportunities to win it. You know, I, I applaud them. They, it was a great tournament for them. I, I think some of the surprises for me, um, I, I would probably say that the Swiss, the Swiss team rings a bell at this moment. Um, the fact that they they came back, they were down three one against the French, and I think everyone when they f- they saw that score being three one, they probably thought it's over. You know, defending World Cup champions, they've got the lead, they'll be in lockdown mode, and the game is done. Well, the Swiss had a different plan; they didn't give up, and they battled back, and they ended up winning the game. And uh, kudos to them. So I think that was a pleasant surprise to see a team that maybe we, we're not always accustomed to seeing um, kind of pull up these upsets um, was great. The Danish team obviously was a remarkable story. It was unfortunate with what happened to Ericsson, but, um, you know, sometimes these unfortunate situations brings out the best uh, of a team. And you just knew moving forward in the tournament that that Danish team would um, – would would just be trouble for a lot of teams because because of what happened it really brought the team together and they were going to fight tooth and nail for for every single battle every single minute of, of every single game and I, I think it was also great to just see newer new teams entering the tournament you know we, we didn't see uh, you know Scotland for a long time they were back in the tournament um, you know Macedonia was first time in the tournament. So it, it's it's great also to see some of these teams back in the tournament or see some new teams and new faces, um, you know, in the tournament because, you know, it just shows that, um, you know, the, you know, that there's a fine line between some of these teams. There's a lot of good teams who didn't make the tournament and it's, it's really refreshing to kind of see some of these newer teams and, and it gives them that little bit of a, uh, that exposure that, Hey, we, we might be a small country, but we do exist and we're here and, you know, and it's, it's good to see. It, it really is. That's the gold good. cup, the gold cup. Now, um, you know, I like this Canadian team and, and um, you know, and I think that they're going to have a really uh, good run at this tournament. Um, it, you know, it's, it's a good lead up to the world cup qualifying that they're going to have. Um, you know, we'll, we'll see, you know, for, for me, obviously being a former player, I want to see them qualify. It would be great for this country. Um, you know, and I'm crossing my fingers that it will happen. Um, but you know, their, their success is going to be measured on, on, you know, that world cup. Can they, can they get out of that, uh, hexagonal stage and, and qualify, you know, for me, everything that they've done to this point is good, but you know, I think it's expected of Canada to kind of win those games in the CONCACAF Nations League, you know, where they're running up the score and they're winning games handily. That's expected for me. 
as as a Canadian, former Canadian player and as a Canadian fan, our aim should always be to be at the hexagonal stage. And then at that point, that's where we me- we measure success, you know. And if they get to the World Cup, fantastic. And if they don't make it, then you know, then I I, I think we have to take things very serious, you know, to ask the questions, you know, of why didn't they make it, you know? And if they didn't make it, then there should be accountability there. I don't think anyone should have a pass, you know, for. Oh, we we had a good campaign. That would not fly in any other country if they did not make the World Cup, especially those serious nations. So I think we need to now have that type of mentality that it's great to get to the hexagonal stage, but the ultimate goal is can you get us to the World Cup? And if you don't get us to the World Cup, then it doesn't matter what you did in previous rounds and how many goals you scored and who you beat by four or five or six goals, it matters now. And if you can't get to the Holy Grail, then there's got to be some accountability. Um, you know, and, and it's for me, it's, it would still be deemed as a, as a failure. You know, it's, it's going in the right direction, but we've also had Canadian teams who have gone in that right direction in the past, so, but never made it to the World Cup. So, uh, you know, I... It's it's looking good. I think that the player pool and the talent is definitely, uh, you know, in my opinion, better than it's ever has been. You know, we've got players who are not just making it in Europe, but they're impactful players now. And now, can these players take us to where we need to go? And if they can get us there, then, you know, that would be just fantastic for this uh, for this country. Tommy, that's outstanding perspective, and your, your timing was always perfect on the field, as as, as I recall firsthand. And uh, the timing here, and this, we got a few more questions for you, and uh, we really appreciate your time. Uh, you're going over time with us, and we so appreciate it. But I want to uh, pick up on some of your great thoughts and and uh, perspectives about, you know, f- obviously a former star for Canada as well too. You were talking about what I wanted to get into next on, on sort of what the future looks like for the game of soccer in Canada. You, you know, you're talking about the men's team, uh, boy, oh boy, I'm last world cup appearance. I think it was 86 last mm-hmm. Olympics, 84. Um, yeah. you're right. They've gone through, um, some programmatic changes, a, a new coach and Herdman at, at, at the helm, trying to guide these guys, as you said, to, um, to some better, better places in, in, in world competition. And then, you know, we look at, um, we're we're uh, we're primed for the next Olympics on the women's side. I believe mm-hmm. they're ranked eighth going into the to the Olympics. So that program has seemed to continue to motor along. But I mean, if we were to kind of take a, uh, if you were to kind of uh, give us an assessment of overall kind of when you think about youth development to training opportunity, I heard you talk about in your in your great answer about opportunities and, and, and stars abroad now that are Canadians. I mean, what do you think the future looks like for the game in the country? Well, you know, it's a, it's the million dollar question we always ask uh, yeah. all the time. Um, you know, I would say, um, you know, right now it, it looks, um, it, it looks positive. Um, you know, I'm, 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 I'm optimistic that, you know, the, uh, you know, the the women's program has flourished uh, like it's like never before. You know, I remember 
when I was, uh, you know, a youth player, you know, we would play a lot of times at the National Training Center with the women's team. And the women's team was like literally regarded as just, ah, they're there and, you know, there's funding there and they're really not important. And now it, it's just, they are like the rock stars of Canadian soccer, mm-hmm. you know, and because, you know, the, the men's team over the years have just not have had that success. And then you've got the women's team who have had all this great success at the Olympics and, you know, they've had some good, you know, world cup tournament runs. Um, you know, the, for, for me, the, the program for the women's team um, will continue to, to be a great program, whether they're going to be, um, you know, you know, trying to to make a really serious run at a at a World Cup down the world uh, down the road is the is a million dollar question. You know, I I'm curious to find out when Christine Sinclair finally decides to hang up mm-hmm. the boots. Who's going to be the next player who's going to carry that team on their shoulder and score the goals? Because we're not just talking about a player who scored you know, 40 or 50 international goals in her career. She's got, I know, I don't know that the exact number, but it's like 200 plus international goals. So, you know, that's a lot of goals. Where does that come from? Yeah. Where does it come from now? You know, and so we need a player who can put the ball in the back of the net regularly. And, and she was that player. And so that's just my minor concern with that. Not minor concern. It's a big concern. Is there a player that can fulfill her shoes when she ultimately leaves? On the men's side, um, you know, this team, uh, as I mentioned before, they are, uh, they look like, you know, it's a good group. They, they look like they, they are together. That camaraderie that we talked about before, uh, is, it looks like it's certainly there. They've got that confidence going into this hexagonal stage, but you know, this is where the ultimate test will be now. They're certainly going to be competitive. There's no doubt about that. But the million-dollar question is, is can they land one of those final spots? And that's where I think, you know, it's it's going to be tough. You know, I'm going to be honest about it. I, I really want them to qualify, you know, especially with us hosting or being a co-host in 2026. It would be great to just see that team be there at 2022. But, um, you know, it's going to it's going to be very tough. You know, the 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 challenges that, you know, the the Canadian team or any team, really, when you get to that to that stage of the World Cup qualifying is, you know, the ultimate rule, win your home games and then try to get some type of a result on the road. You know, just don't lose the road game. If you can tie, that is just gravy. And then when you get to your home games, win your home games. So that will be, I think, the challenge for this Canadian team is can they get over that hump that when they go into these, you know, Central American and Caribbean countries, especially those Central American countries where everything is stacked against you, the fans are just nuts. Oh, yeah. You know, they're, 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 you know, they're against you, you know, the way you're kind of treated leading up to the game you know, they try to get into your head with like, you know, the hotel stays, the bus rides, all of that it plays plays a role in terms of your performance on the field. So, you know, if they can get over that hump of, of 
you know, mitigating all of those factors and getting that result and getting out of there with a tie and a gravely, uh, you know, and a win would be just absolutely perfect. Then this team's got a, a really good legitimate shot. But if they're losing those road games, then it's going to be bleak. You know, it's going to be very, very bleak. You cannot lose those road games. You know, it's, it's, you know, it's, that's the ultimate challenge for them. So, you know, I'm, I'm keeping myself optimistic that, um, you know, they, they could make it, but it will be a tough road for them. No doubt about it. Cause all the other nations now have just improved. You know, it's, it's not just, we have improved, but the likes of, you know, Jamaica, Trinidad and Tobago, Costa Rica has always been a force in our, in our, in our league, you know, and then you've got Mexico and the U S which are givens, but then you also have those generational teams like Haiti, you know, and Panama where they come around and they're no slouches. So, you know, you add them into the mix and now it just complicates things because you have so many teams that are very competitive just vying for those, you know, three or four spots. And it, and it does not make uh, make things easy for the Canadian team. Well, that's outstanding perspectives, Tommy. And fans, I mean, this, this is perspective from someone who's gone through the competitions, gone through the battles, right, representing the country in the highest spot for soccer. So, and I mean, I really um, um, agree with you when, when you talk about sort of raising that standard. And it's not just about us looking... Uh, I guess in a mirror at ourselves, but looking what other countries are doing to grow and develop as well too, Tommy. And, mm -hmm. you know, I remember many a times, even just at the, the Olympic level um, too, I mean, many people would say, well, let's go to the games and, 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 and do, do our personal best. Yes. Right. Yes. <laughs> and and yeah. I was always kind of, and, you know, uh, you know, in, in, um, in talking to you here and just knowing the, the great career that you were, you, uh, you, you established for yourself, you know, I can hear when you talk about great, it's more than that, you know, so much more than just, you know, personal best. It's really, yeah. um, at that level, the high levels that you played at, right. I mean, it seems like that kind of, um, I guess culture, right. And Canadians, I mean, take, take basketball, Olympic basketball for an example too. And unfortunately they yeah. just bowed out, right. Uh, yeah. and losing that game. Was it to Greece? I think it was, um, or no, it was uh, the no. Czech Republic. I think it was. Czech was Republic. It? Yeah. 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 I mean, there's another, uh, sport that you, you know, you see the stars, the Canadian stars are playing at the highest levels. And as you said, it kind of gets into a whole number of, um, I guess, uh, elements and criteria, not, not just about talent, but about programming, fun, I, funding. I was, you know, and, 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 and you were, you were a carded Olympic athlete as well too, if I recall some of the yes, information. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, I mean, boy, oh boy, we could go on for more on that. Cause I think there's some great perspectives you already share with the fans and, uh, yeah, I mean, lots to look forward to when, when we think about opportunity for, uh, for these, uh, these squads ahead. Um, yes, yes. Ashton, you have the honors, my man of the last question for our tremendous best of segment here with, uh, Tommy Kuzmanis. Ashton. Yeah. Tommy. What yes. advice do you have for young kids who want to be a pro soccer athlete just like you? Wow. Um, you know, I, I would say that, you know, you know I, I, I don't want to sound pessimistic or anything, but, you know, I, I know that there's a lot of parents who or, or kids who, you know, at the young ages, they, you know, the first thing that 
they act always that they want to be a you know a pro athlete and they want to make the money and they want to be famous and all of that stuff and and that's great you know i'm not trying to be a dream killer uh, whatsoever and, and it's great for them to to aspire to be that but um you know I, I think the next word that would come out of there uh out of my mouth would be is to also be realistic as well you know that you know it's great to strive for it it's great to have those big dreams but you also have to realize too that not all dreams come true and you know and i'm one of those uh people who have that uh that experience you know my injuries really crippled me at at really the prime years of where, you know, I, I, I really could have, you know, had a lot of, a uh, lot more success. And so you need to be realistic too with, with, um, with, with what's happening. You know, it, it's, it's great to think of all the good things that could come from being a pro athlete. And, you know, and there's also some not so great things about being a pro athlete, you know, especially nowadays, you know, when you hear about, the pressures that they deal with and the expectations that are set upon you. You know, when you, when you become a pro athlete, you know, it's, you know, the media is involved, you know, we, we hear nowadays with, you know, tennis players and they're facing anxiety and they don't want to be, you know, doing press conferences after tennis matches um, because, you know, that puts a burden on them and, you know, and, you know, they have, preparations you know after matches they they want to just kind of decompress they they want to be in their own kind of you know bubble and then now they've got to deal with other factors outside of it and, you know it puts a lot of uh, pressure on them so you know if you want that type of lifestyle and you feel like you can handle it then by all means you know shoot for for the stars but you know there there does come that you know that part of it as well um I, you know, I would always tell any athlete, you know, that the the margin to to be a professional athlete is, and, and especially to be an international athlete, the, it's so so slim. We're we're talking less than a percent of of achieving that. So you know, you need to have those backup plans. And so, you know, if if things don't work out for whatever reason, it could be injuries that have hampered your career it could just be that you know the coach has gone with someone else who they think is better um who they they have trust in um you know so you know you have to be also prepared be prepared for those those setbacks and those letdowns and what am i going to do next in in my life you know because now i'm not the sought out or um you know go-to personnel on this team so I think that's, um, you know, when you want to become a, a professional athlete, um, you know, you, you have to look at it from all angles because, you know, there are a lot of athletes even post-career where they just can't come to grips of, you know, at one point they were, you know, articles and newspapers and interviews and, and they've got this lifestyle and when all, and they've been this, you know, sought out person and the moment that they've they've hung it up, yeah, there's that interest there still for a number of years. But when they are kind of actually gone from the game, you know, five, 10, 15 years ago, you know, down the road, you know, they're just, uh, you know, they're another member of society and they have to move on in life. And, you know, they, they have, you know, to, to deal with um, what the average human being is out there. Sure, they might have that money. 
but you know they're they're they, you know they're um just another citizen like everyone else right so a lot of these athletes sometimes it, it's tough for them uh you know because of the, that whole ego um so you know for for young athletes who want to become pro athletes you know in, it's great to dream and and shoot for all stars um but you know the reality is is that not everyone can make it and you know you you certainly do need to to have that backup plan. So whether it's, you know, again, not everyone can play for Canada. Not er everyone can, can be a professional athlete. And if you don't make it, then maybe your alternative route is I'm, I'm still good enough to get a scholarship, you know, um, you know, and go to the U S or, you know, there's scholarships now in Canada that are being offered, you know, and, and all these grants and bursaries for, for the athletes. So, you know, you can use your athletics to still achieve and get something out of it. You know, if you're that good overall, you know, student athlete, you know, if, if things don't work out for you. So, it, you know, it's it's just about having that that um, realistic goal. And, you know, if things don't happen, at least you've prepared yourself for maybe perhaps the ultimate uh, letdown down the road. And you've got that backup plan and then you can move forward and be happy with with what you've done in, in your life. Outstanding words, uh, real advice from our best of guests. What a great way to end our best of segment with uh, Tommy Kuzmanis, a Canadian soccer star, former international. Tommy, on behalf of Ashton and I, we want to thank you so much for uh, giving your time. Um, in fact, you've given us overtime, and we so appreciate okay. the extra time that you've given us. I mean, beginning, middle to end, this conversation was so rich in perspective. Um, you know, all our listeners can hear the passion that you not only displayed on the field, but uh, you, you shared here on our show. And um, yeah, I mean, so great to catch up. And, you know, uh, we shared a field together and to share a mic together yes. uh, kind of yes, years yes. later. It's, it's really great. And that kind of speaks of what you talked about earlier about, you know, camaraderie and, and how the beautiful game of soccer can just bring people together and, and still keep them connected after all these years. So, um, so yeah. thank you so much. And I know my, my chum Ashton wanted to say a few words for you as well, too. Sure. Of course. Yeah. So, uh, thank you, Tommy, for coming on the show. It's been a great interview and, uh, my dad has played in the Maple Leaf system, um, on the, the other team as as he explained it in the beginning uh, so uh my dad's career uh it was okay but yours tommy <laughs> okay. was great well that's Thank fair you, for ashton. me yeah his was outstanding and uh, mine was okay i'm i'm good with that ashton <laughs> So, so Tommy, well, thank yeah, you. thank you again for for coming uh, coming on the show, and uh, it was great to have you on. Great. Well, thank you, Anthony. Thank you, Ashton. It was uh, it was a great uh, chat here and a great experience, and and thank you very much for this. Good stuff, Ashton. You're going to take us to break on episode twenty three. This ends our father son best of segment. More father son fun talk coming up. You're listening to the Champs and Chums podcast. Welcome back to Champs and Chums. Happy July, everybody. It's episode 23, Anthony and Ashton in the broadcast chair. We hope you're doing all very well. And uh, Ashton, um, it is now time 
for our All Pro Go segment. And our All Pro Go segment for your for the fans to uh, just a reminder. It's a Did You Know Sports Spotlight. And uh, Ashton coming off a tremendous best of guest interview with Tommy Kuzmanis. I thought it'd be kind of good to keep the theme. Uh, or the ball of soccer, the theme of soccer, just keep running up the field, eh? So we thought about this, didn't we? Yeah, we did. Great stuff. Well, Ashton, you're going to tell us uh, on episode 23, our all-pro go. Take it away with beach soccer. Beach soccer, also known as beach football, sand football, or bezel, is is a variant of associate of association of association uh, football played on a beach or some form of sand. The game emphasizes skill, agility, and accuracy in shooting at the goal. While football has been played in informally on beaches for many years, the introduction of beach soccer was an attempt to codify the rules for the game. This was done in 1992 by the founders of Beach Soccer Worldwide, a company set up to develop the the sport and responsible for the majority of its tournaments to this day. This was a major foundation for what is known as beach soccer and what has led to the sport rapidly growing in popularity. The compact field, much smaller than a normal football field, allows players to score from anywhere on the sand, leading to to an average of 60 attempts at a goal in a single game, with an average of with an average scoring rate of one goal every three or four minutes. Hold on a second, Ashton. That sounds so exciting. Did you just say that um, in beach soccer, the average scoring is one goal every three to four minutes? Yeah. Wow. That, that's that's an offensive uh, juggernaut. And or, also, sorry, a, a, a dynamo there. And also, around 11 goals are scored in a, in a total during a an average game. Wow, that's beach soccer, everybody. Didn't know that it, it had such deep history. And uh, thanks, uh, son. Uh, Dad's going to uh, take it uh, through here, the up the field. Um, but yeah, match length, everybody, for beach soccer. It usually lasts about um, 36 minutes in length, and it's split up into three 12-minute periods. Um, you know, there are stoppages in play, of course, as well, too. Um, geez, I would think they'd need to find a private beach to play on, right? Because yeah. if anybody's tanning or anything like that, <laughs> right? Um, but yeah, I mean, there's just just like um, uh, regular uh, uh, soccer or football, free kicks are awarded for various fouls as well, too. But um, Ashton, I mean, the sport really took off when there was some network television um, um, broadcasts of um, beach soccer in April of 94. And of what a great place to actually play beach soccer at Copacabana Beach in Rio de Janeiro. How about that? Well, that is, uh, I've never been there, but I've heard it's a beautiful place. Well, yeah, it sure is. Uh, and so, yeah, Rio de Janeiro uh in brazil the first uh beach soccer world championships in 1995 um so so brazil obviously a a great spot for beaches a great a great spot for the game of uh, beach soccer and in fact ashton 
Things continued to move along because there was a Pro Beach Soccer Tour that included a total 60 games across South America, Europe, Asia, and the United States. So um, there you have it, everybody. Um, sounds like a fun sport. I'm kind of thinking in some of those beautiful beaches in Cayo Santa Maria and uh, others, other spots we've uh, had a chance to go to as a family, we probably would have played a little soccer, eh? Yeah, we played we play soccer, volleyball, all those sports you can play on the beach. Well, listen, I mean, uh, post-COVID, it'll be great to get a, a bunch of uh, chums together to play the great game of beach soccer. What do you say? Yep, that would be really fun. Good stuff, Ashton. And great stuff, everybody. That's our all-pro go beach soccer. And you're listening to episode 23 of the Champs and Chums podcast. father-son fun talk you're listening to episode 23 of the champs and chums podcast and ashton it's now time for our signature segment that's right it's our champs and chums segment where we salute stars on and off the field so everyone who's had a chance to listen to uh, all of our episodes or even just uh, even just at least one of them you would hear our champs and chums segment so ashton and i select a champ for each show and then we also select a chum for each show as well, too. So, Ashton, why don't you take it away with your champ of episode 23? My champ is Wayne Gretzky. The great one. Yep. Amazing, amazing. Now, why is uh, Wayne Gretzky your champ of episode 23? Well, he's a great hockey player, and uh, he's his uh, nickname is The Great One. And uh, he is just a great person on and off the uh, ice. Well, yeah, one of the most successful and most uh, decorated um, uh, athletes of his time. Yeah. Wayne Gretzky. I mean, we're not talking just about um, hockey. I mean, what he did to transcend the game when he uh, got traded in that mega blockbuster deal when he got traded from Edmonton in 98, I believe it was, to LA yeah. he did a lot to grow the game of hockey because of his celebrity profile right um Ashton so yeah I mean the great one indeed 1,487 NHL games played 2,857 points 894 goals you guys can do the math on the assists after sharing all those numbers but um yeah Wayne Gretzky and uh Ashton I got a story for you your champ of episode 23, Wayne Gretzky, your dad met. Uh, well, as I said probably last episode, every single time, I, I say a champ. Or, or, or a father-son like, free-for-all. Yeah, you met one of the people. <laughs> well, I mean, so let me tell you, I mean, it was a very, very brief Perhaps almost a less than a 10 second. It was two, <laughs> two, so, so two brushes with Wayne Gretzky. So 1998, was it 98 was his last uh, year uh, playing in, in the NHL. That was his final year, 98-99 uh, season. Wayne Gretzky's last uh, year uh, game at the Gardens, at Maple Leaf Gardens against, of course, the Leafs. And your dad was with the, the public relations team then. 
So um, my great chum, uh, Pat and, and John and uh, Casey as well too, we're all getting things ready because of course the press would want to have a, an opportunity to interview the Wayner, the great one, uh, separately, right? Yeah. So I believe this was done, I believe it was done earlier in the day. So when Wayne Gretzky was walking into the room, he brushed right by me. I, I think I felt like his, uh, it, would, it would have been his jersey or something, just touched the back of my, my, my Jack Fraser suit. Wow. So, so that, that, was, that was pretty much that. But then years later, when your dad was director of communications at Gulf Canada, so Wayne Gretzky came for a pro-am at the uh, CN Canadians Women's Open. This would have been back in 2007. Mm-hmm. In fact, when it was uh, in, in Edmonton. And so, uh, as the story goes, uh, the organizers of the tournament and the sponsors uh, saw to it that Wayne Gretzky would compete in the Pro-Am. Can you imagine getting an opportunity to golf with Wayne Gretzky and uh, uh, like going 18 holes and playing with him? Yeah, like I can't imagine that first experience as well, just getting, I, I can imagine it in my head, just let's say it was me getting his jersey rubbing on. on uh, Against uh, the back of your suit. No, yep. but Ashton, let me clarify the second encounter, because that's when I actually got a chance just to say hello to him and introduce myself as he was coming in again for another press conference with the media just before he uh, visited um uh, the, um, the, the golf course and, and took part in that pro-am day. So there you go. Ashton's champ, uh, Wayne Gretzky, uh, for episode 23. Okay. Over to dad for my champ. And, um, I'm going to keep this great theme of soccer running. We've, we ran it in the beginning. We ran it in the middle and now we're getting near the end of the show. My champ for episode 23 is the great Pele. That's right, everybody. One of the greatest soccer players in the world, Pele. And Ashton, you were going to add something. He's he's like the Wayne Gretzky of uh, of soccer. Well, he sure is. He's one of the top players in his game. Uh, can you believe that the great Pele is 80 years old, Ashton? I cannot believe it. Time flies so fast. Yeah, it sure does. But um, let's not forget, of course, with all that great international play, Pele from 1975 to 77 played with the New York Cosmos. 64 appearances, 37 goals. So he did, um, you know, make a contribution. I was very young then, uh, being a 73 baby um, at the time. But he did play... In the that would have been the NASL, I believe, uh, at the time. Uh, but of course, uh, his caps and playing for uh, Brazil, ninety-two appearances, seventy-seven goals. Uh, he was my favorite so much. So Ashton, when I was playing as a young, uh, young, a young boy growing up in the game, even in that, um, in those leagues in Scarborough uh, and such like that, where I competed against guys like uh, Tommy at the high school yeah. level and stuff, and when he was on A, was I was on B, um, I wore number ten on the B team. I, I I had to own that number, and it was because of the great Pele. Good stuff. And uh, Ashton, it's now time for you to uh, share your chum of episode twenty-three. My chum is my friend Jordan. What a great pick. She's a re, she's a return selection for Yashton. I know early in the episode, I can't remember what episode it was. You had um gave a shout out to uh to Jordan as your chum and uh, yeah, why is Jordan your chum? Uh 
Well, she's really kind, she's really caring and really nice, and she's an amazing chum to have. Well, she sure is, right? And uh, yeah, what a great, uh, a great chum. And, and in fact, you've known her, Ashton, since you probably were in diapers, probably at the age of, I don't know, just about a year, uh, year and a half, maybe two years old. Well, I, I did not know that because I probably, because I probably didn't really know anything when I was uh, younger, like a like two years old but uh that is amazing to hear that we've been chums for a really long time now that that's I'm right nine. over seven years strong Ashton those are great uh, great chums to have and and uh, that's great and so shout out to uh to uh your chum Jordan and uh her parents as well too uh Dave and Amanda and uh yeah just uh, great people and and Jordan's a great one for sure a great one we just talked about Gretzky yeah. what were some of the fun things that you've done actually with Jordan when you think about it well uh I've gone to Downey's farm with her I think I, there was movies as well too yeah we did it uh we did it in their uh, backyard uh, probably Halloween, and uh, it was really fun. I believe, yeah, we did watch E.T., and I've never watched it before, but you know the part where E.T. is kind of dying. We we were sad. Uh, I was sad. I was tearing up a bit. And also, uh, my mom told me when she was watching it as, as a kid and E.T. was, like, uh, dying, when she saw it, she was really sad. And it's kind of like a sad moment because, you know, like this creature, this like pretty much friendly creature that came from Earth, you know, is is just uh, not doing well. But then he makes a strong recovery. Great stuff. Well, shout out to your uh, chum, Jordan. And uh, yeah, looking forward to uh, connecting with them uh, throughout the, uh, the part of the summer. Hard to believe, actually, Ashton, we're in the month of July already. Yeah. Good stuff. All right. Well, it's dad's turn. And I promised you, everybody, I'll continue this running theme of soccer right throughout um, right throughout the show here. And uh, Ashton, just to, uh, to, to, to lead up to uh, sharing my chum for this episode, I'm going to take you back to Scarborough. I'm going to take you back to my teenage years. I'm going to take you back to the fields of soccer. And I'm going to take all the listeners back to probably just a couple segments ago. Because my chum for episode 23 is Tommy. How about that, Ashton? Well, that is an outstanding pick. Uh, him being our best of guests and now um, him being your chum. Well, you know what? It's great to, uh, to anoint him the title as chum. I mean, when I think of his career, right, and I think of some of the great memories in, in soccer, as I said, uh, was able to have the, ple- the pleasure and the privilege to share a field with him and to basically share a mic. Uh, this Ashton... Oh, oh my goodness, it's like probably three decades later was uh, was quite a special treat for your dad. I mean, you know, um, he was the guy among all the Scarborough soccer chums that I've had a chance to play with on, on, a, on a real regular basis. And in fact, he played with as well, too, at, at a much higher level. He was the king. He was the guy that, that everyone talked about, Ashton, right? I mean, he just had uh, a talent and a determination, a cut above 
the collection of great soccer chums that we've we've had a chance to share some time and play with. So for all of those great things, I mean, let's let's talk about just his accomplishments as well too. Being a guy that, uh, as he shared uh, with with you, um, we're both in the Maple Leaf system. He played, of course, with the. Uh, the you know the showcase team the the A team that uh, he was a nine time national champion uh, Ashton I do remember some of those Ontario Cups he played in thirteen of them as a youth in fact that Maple Leaf squad uh, an Ontario Cup champion that year um, wow a professional career uh, where he at, well look at this before we get to the professional career eleven time Ontario Cup winner two-time silver medal winner. Of course, he was the first round selection in the CSL draft, Ashton. Um, I could go on and on for his incredible career, but, um, you know, it was for helping me reignite, Ashton, that passion and all those great memories of soccer in Scarborough and um, for basically being the guy in our class of a generation of Scarborough soccer chums who was just outstanding the way he carried himself on and off the field and for his inspiring stories. Tommy, you're my chum of episode 23. Good stuff. Well, we got one more segment to go and you're listening to episode 23 of the Champs and Chums podcast. Welcome back to Champs and Chums, and Ashton, it's now time to conclude our show. And uh, what an amazing show it's been, hasn't it? Yep, it has been an amazing show. It sure has. Uh, but as I always do at the end of every episode, I wanted to ask you, Ashton, um, what were some of the things you learned today? Well, I learned from our best of interview with Tommy Kuzmanis that Tommy was so good that the opponents were nervous to play him. Yeah, you do remember that story. What a great chat with uh, with uh, Tommy. It was great to catch up with him. And uh, yeah. after all these years, to, as I say, to share a field uh, back in the teen days, but then to share a mic was uh, really special for uh, for your dad. And I know you enjoyed it too. But yeah, he did share that story. And, and, and that, that that is 100% accurate. Because even when I was on Churchill's high school team, and then Tommy... Uh, who played not only in the club level with Maple Leaf, and he talked about all the great places he went after that, even professionally. Um, he played with Agent Court Soccer Club, and he was, um, we're kind of reminiscing about one of the playoff games as well, too, where, you know, he thoroughly dominated that game. Uh, remember it very well, and uh, yeah, it was great, great to have him on the show, and what an illustrious career, and uh, great perspective, too, Ashton, on. Um, on where the game was, where it is, and uh, and where it's going. Great advice. Ashton, uh, what else did you learn in episode 23? Well, I learned there is a pro league for beach soccer. Yeah, here we are talking about uh, many, uh, many things pro in this episode. And uh, yeah, I wouldn't have known that as well too, but it's some great research by you, right? Um, mm -hmm. What was that? I guess it was in Rio de Janeiro. Yeah, Rio de Janeiro. Can you imagine? I mean, post-COVID, we get an opportunity, you know, perhaps to go away again on, on a plane, going to a sunny destination. Yeah. And all of a sudden, we check in at the reception, and then we look like beachward out to the beautiful beaches, wherever we, 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 we may have the opportunity to go and see that there's a beach soccer game going on. What would you do? 
Well, uh, I would probably watch it or jo just join it. Are you kidding me? That's exactly what I was going to say. I would drop my bags. Don't worry about going to the room and just go head right to the beach and maybe play bare, barefoot. Yeah, maybe, maybe because uh, if if they let you in, if it's like a non-competition, then that's okay. They'll probably let you in, and that's what I would probably do. Well, that was a lot of fun for sure. And yeah, hey, we, we got a beach here in Brampton as well too, so maybe we'll uh, we'll have a little go if you will, right? Yeah. Good stuff. Well, uh, it's been a great show, and uh, for some of uh, our fans who are listening to us uh, for the first time, uh, where can they uh, lis listen to us a lot more? They can go to iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, uh, TuneIn, Podbean, and CastBox. And I just want to step back because we usually say our big thank yous as well too. So who do we want to thank for episode uh, 23? The Power Girls and Uncle Dennis who helped produce the show. That's right. And shout out to our best of guests, Tommy Kuzmanis. Thanks so much for joining us as well, too. Ashton, you mentioned all those great uh, platforms that you can hear Champs and Chums on. And don't forget, everybody, we're on social at Champs and Chums and our website, champsandchums.com. Ashton, it's been a great 100% Canadian great show. And uh, we're giving ourselves, everybody, the biggest fist bump from coast to coast to coast thank you so much for tuning in to champs and chums and ashen as we always say cheers to champs cheers to chums and cheers to an all-star day thanks for listening